So then when I became this Christian, I said, okay, I want to do it right. Uh, Literally from that point forward has been no looking back, no wavering, uh, no doubting, and it was just that transition. Today on First Person, the story that never gets old, the story of the power and grace of God to transfer a person from the domain of darkness to the kingdom of His beloved Son. You'll hear Doug McAllister's story today. Welcome, I'm Wayne Shepherd. Before we get to the interview, let me take a moment to thank you for tuning in. We meet every week at this time to tell stories of people whose lives have been changed by Jesus Christ. You can read more about First Person at our website, firstpersoninterview.com. Today's conversation and many others are all online to listen to at any time, along with the schedule of upcoming interviews. It's all at firstpersoninterview.com. And we're found on Facebook as well, where you can both read the comments of other listeners and leave your own. Just go to facebook.com slash firstpersoninterview. I met Doug McAllister several years ago when we started working on a radio program together called Know the Truth with Speaker Philip DeCourcy. Since our conversation, Doug has become the full-time executive pastor of the church where the program originates, Kindred Community Church in Southern California. But it's how Doug came to faith in Christ that I want you to hear today. And just before he starts at the beginning, I ask him to tell me about his life and ministry now. Well, right now I'm working as executive director for Know the Truth with uh, Pastor Philip DeCourcy. A radio program that I've heard the announcer does an okay job. Yeah, on. yeah, I've heard that uh, this guy named Wayne is uh, <laughs> pretty good at this. And so It's uh, been a joy to work with you and Philip DeCourcy on that program. Well, it's been it's been a great time and and I think it's been over 4 years now, hasn't it? Yeah. yeah I've, I've lost track, so yeah, I'll, I I'll trust over, you. I think it was 4 years in March, yeah. so uh, So you are the executive director of the radio ministry. Correct. But also working with the church. I'm right? the executive pastor of the church. And actually, it's kind of the squeaky wheel, and and sometimes the church takes more time than the radio because I've got so many people coming in and out of that office that I'm I'm investing a lot of time in both. Yeah. Uh, but both are, are just a great uh, experience for me. The church is Kindred Community Church in Anaheim Hills, California, where you've lived for many years, I understand. Yes, we lived in that area for about – uh, almost 30 years. Of course, Philip is the uh, senior pastor there also. Mm-hmm. So we work closely together. That's your present assignment. Prior to that, though, you've been in business. Yes. Um, I started in business uh, years ago, and I'm an engineer by first uh, degree, and I started in business in, in more of a technical sales program, and then I went into controls. And and ultimately, I uh, another three guys and myself bought a couple of businesses, and so I I've owned a couple of businesses called Sierra West Finish and Sierra Wholesale Hardware, and I still own those two businesses. And and so uh, I've been in business first and foremost, I, uh, but I have a couple of young men that run those businesses, and I don't. And now God has placed you in ministry directly, so Completely that, that's in, interesting yeah. to me. Yeah, the only time I, I, I spend about uh, one night a month going over financials with the two guys that are running the business, and... Uh, the businesses have been doing very well, and then uh, and it's they're all connected with construction. And of course, when in 2006, 
97, uh, a huge part of our business was home building. And we were subcontractors doing uh, doors and hardware and finished carpentry. And things started to plummet. And by the time it was all said and done, uh, we had lost all almost everything. Uh, literally, my partners uh, had to get out of the business and um, – and we kind of kept taking uh, more and more on, and eventually uh, the only way we could get all the bills paid uh, was uh, we had to sell our houses and um, and uh, pay them off and uh, keep the business going as uh, little as it could go. And but they're coming back now; they're mm-hmm. coming back pretty strong. Was there that. a sense in which God used that trial to kind of move you into ministry more full time, though? Oh, well, I, I think so because. Um, it's always hard when you've been uh, in business as long as I have, and you've been relatively successful in business, and you're you've adjusted to a certain lifestyle. And um, about 2006, I stopped taking any income from the business, and so we started living on our savings and our reserves. And I started to realize, uh, you know. Uh, we don't need all of that, and I've always been involved in the ministry. I've been uh, uh, and I've been an elder at another church for a long time. I was uh, I've been an adult Sunday school teacher for almost thirty years, and so a lot of the things that I've taught over the years, I said it's time to start applying them, and um, and so I said, you know. Whatever happens, uh, the Lord's in control. Uh, I've always had confidence in his sovereignty. I've always had confidence in his providence. And uh, and so then I just said, start time to start living that way okay. and trusting in him. So that was a step of obedience on your part. It really was. And I was challenged by a couple of guys. Uh, Rich Riddle, who's um, on the board at Know the Truth, uh, uh, said, uh, you know, hey, we uh, don't you want to use the rest of your career to do something more meaningful than install doors? And um, <laughs> and then uh, Dean Samsvik, who was the chairman of our elder board, said, um, Doug, at your age, uh, do you want to finish your career? Career doing um, uh, construction, or do you want to finish your uh, career working uh, right directly with the church? And 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 all of that started making me think. And I thought, hey, yeah. uh, I I do want to do that. The right questions. Mm-hmm. Sometimes the Lord leads differently, and sometimes yeah. you know a business person stays in business and works. Uh, uh, for the kingdom that way, too. So it works both ways, though, doesn't it? Yeah, we actually use the business for the kingdom. We always um, – it, it's interesting. I think I got a lot of my experience on teaching and everything is we always ran Bible studies in every business we had. We used it, and we said we have to be exemplary. We have to live the, what we say we uh, believe. And actually, when the economy went bad, that was the biggest test of our of our walk and our faith because – we had to make some big decisions. Do we do we close the business down? Do we not pay our bills and um, you know file corporate mm-hmm. bankruptcy, or do we figure out a way to pay them off? And so that was a tough it yeah. was a tough call. And uh, and I felt like okay, we we have to we have to live what we say we believe. And sometimes living what we say we believe is a lot harder. It's not than, the easiest course. No, is no, it, it right. really isn't. Right. And uh, and I always love business. I've always loved the you know the work on it, but I've always felt like we are serving the Lord, working for the Lord, no matter course, where we yes. are. And so uh, I've never really thought, now that I've transitioned over to the church or the radio, oh, 
wow, this is a whole lot different than business because church and radio is still business too, yeah, yeah, you know. And yeah. uh, Calling is calling too, it, whether it, you're a truck driver or a church executive. So. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so so we've made that transition um, and we're probably – part of the transition, I thought, well, we could – start to slow down a little bit and um, <laughs> think again <laughs> yeah and we found out that in fact uh, we didn't slow down at all As a matter of fact my wife is busier than she's ever been because at least when I went off to the office she was able to stay home and and do things and then we would do things jointly at night and weekends well uh, now she's so involved with mentoring moms and um, uh, you know entertaining and 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 we're we're truly in the people business now <laughs> and and the people business gets very very time consuming. Yeah, but I see a smile on your face. Oh, we you love talk it about it. Yeah, yeah, we absolutely love it. Yeah. So yeah. Well, as uh, as important as those things are, that's not why I wanted to talk to you today. Okay. I mm-hmm. wanted to talk to you today because there was a time when. The man that just told me that story wouldn't have uh, said those things at all. You had, a, you had a transformation that took place in your life at one point. Tell me the story. Start wherever you'd like. Well, probably uh, there's a, a couple of uh, introductory phases. Um, I was raised as a Catholic, and um, I was serious about my faith. And through a series of events, I just found myself uh, really um, wondering – what was it really all about? And and then I, I started to really question the Catholic Church and actually got so bitter, I walked away from the Catholic Church. And as I walked from the Catholic Church, I then began to think, is any of this real, you know, or has this been a lie? And I rapidly turned and made a conclusion that uh, if God was alive, he wasn't involved in our lives, and probably there wasn't a God. And so you, you went that far. I went that far. And, uh, and I always say that I could have been an atheist if I weren't an engineer. And, um, uh, <laughs> because? The, because as an engineer, I knew there had to be a design, uh, you know, and you had to put things together. And so it's the old story, how do you get the watch without a watchmaker? And I kept looking around, and I say, okay, there is some kind of real uh, intelligence that has put all this together. You just – this can't be happen chance. So I really began looking for a, something other than God. You know, let's – you know, it could have been the, the force, you know, or the force out there, the force with you. And so I hadn't rejected God completely, but I had rejected any kind of religion. I had re- I assumed that Jesus Christ was a myth. Uh, he may have existed, but all the rest of it was just the people who wanted to, you know, they wanted answers. And I thought you had to be kind of weak and you need an answer, you need a crutch, and so therefore I'm going to pick this faith. And so I had walked away from that. And uh, that's when I met my wife, uh, or my future wife, and uh, she was raised as a very strict Nazarene, and and literally she's never had never wavered in her faith, but she had she was now in college, and she'd come to the conclusion that she must not be one of the elect. She didn't feel she she never she never rejected anything she believed. But she's a perfectionist, and it's kind of maybe the old uh, Luther uh, type of uh, mm-hmm. feeling. 
she was going forward to a mourner's bench, uh, uh, confessing her sins and recommitting her life every week. Over and over again. Yeah. Over and over yeah, again. Yeah. And finally, she came to the conclusion she just wasn't one of the elect. And so she had never walked away from God or her faith, but she just figured, well, I'm just not chosen. And that's the time when she met me which <laughs> was the only time she could have met me because she would never have gone out with this uh, heathen, as she called. <laughs> and her parents, of course, thought I was, you know, ex-Catholic and now uh, uh, agnostic. And they thought, what is she doing with someone like that? We're going to have to pause there, but we will pick up Doug McAllister's story in just a moment today here on First Person. I'd like to thank the Far East Broadcasting Company for their support for producing First Person, enabling us to bring you these weekly stories. Through its broadcast in nearly 50 countries and over 100 languages, FEBC reaches multiple millions of listeners with the gospel and receives 2 million listener responses each year. Learn more about FEBC and our radio program, FEBC Today, when you visit firstpersoninterview.com. That's firstpersoninterview.com. My first person guest today is my friend Doug McAllister. Doug is with Kindred Community Church as executive pastor in Southern California, works with a radio ministry that I have a part in called Know the Truth with Pastor Philip DeCourcy. And we're getting Doug's story here today. We kind of left at a dramatic moment uh, a few moments ago, Doug, where you had met your wife and the two of you were kind of questioning faith at that point in your life. And pick up the story and just tell me how uh, how God moved into your life after that. Well, at that point, uh, she, I was moving to California. I had graduated from uh, University of Illinois. I had taken a job in California, and and we decided to get married in spite of the fact that uh, her parents weren't crazy about the idea of her marrying a non-Christian, but she felt she wasn't. And we moved out here. And things were going along swimmingly. So you came here to seek fame and fortune in exactly, California? Exactly, yeah. exactly. And I had been saying from like high school, junior high school on, that I wanted to come to California. Never been there. Just thought, hey, this is this is land the, of milk and honey. Yes, huh? exactly. And I really thought this was the place that I wanted to be. And things were going great with us. And I didn't plan on having any children, uh, at least not for a long time, when we found she was pregnant. And that became a major turning point in our lives in that um, I wanted to have an abortion. And in that day um, – Now, you were married. We were married, and I just didn't want any kids. I, you know, I wanted to have my profession going. I wanted to be earning a lot of money before we slowed down. So I said, let's have an abortion. And that was back in uh, 1970. And at that time, California had just legalized abortion. uh, But it was a big, drawn-out procedure. You had to go to, like, four classes. Then you had to go visit the hospital. And Carol, all the time, in the back of her mind, thought I would change my mind. So she was against it? She was against it. She was against it. She said, you don't want to do this. And finally, after we'd gone to the hospital to look at where the abortion would be, as we were driving away, she says, Doug, uh, I won't have it. That's the first time she'd ever said no uh, to a demand that I had. And that led us into another path that was a very major struggle. I said, okay, you have the baby, but I 
I'm not going to let it interfere with my professional career. I'm not going to let it interfere with my life. And uh, you felt that strongly about it. I was that strong. Did uh, you walk away from your wife then? What happened? No, we stayed together, uh, and I treated her horribly. Uh, she went through the pregnancy without any support. She ended up having a bad uh, delivery and ended up having to go into an emergency C-section. Were you there? Uh, I was there, and then I didn't come back until she was ready to come home. Uh, I didn't come and visit. I was uh, the ultimate bad person. And, uh, I mean, anything you could say wrong about me, I, that was me. I know it pains you even today to talk about that and think about that, but that's that's where you were oh, yeah. before Christ. Before Christ, yeah. I uh, had no interest. And so she brought the baby home, and— um, and for over a nine-month period, things started changing. I started falling in love with that little girl, <laughs> and it was a baby girl. And uh, in the meantime, by quote-unquote chance, at the time I would have said chance. Now I would say by the providence of God, I was uh, I, I'd go into work every morning, and I had it, my radio on a station that normally played old 50s tunes because I love 50s music. Uh, they had a Christian radio program, and it was the morning chapel hour with uh, Wilbur Dr. Wilbur Nelson. Nelson. I remember right. well, yeah. And you know how you drive in your car and you're not really paying attention? Yeah. Yeah. One morning I'm driving, and I all of a sudden I realize, oh, wait a minute. This guy is some kind of Christian. You know, he's talking, and I immediately changed his station. And then the next morning I'm driving along, and I, and I start hearing him again. And Interesting. Now, mind you, I told you I was raised as a Catholic. I'd never heard old hymns before. Well, what I found is he would talk for a few minutes, and then they'd do an old hymn. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't believe it, but I really liked the old hymns. <laughs> so I would start listening to him and and listen so I could hear the old hymns. Then he'd talk, and I'd listen. So pretty soon I was listening to him 30 minutes a day. And I started coming home and saying things like, well, Wilbur says, or Wilbur says. <laughs> Who's Wilbur? <laughs> yeah, and my wife was in a panic because I'd been doing all sorts of searching of, you know, answers to something other than Christianity. I I, I was reading all sorts of different books. Is that right? Yeah, saying, well, there's something other than Christ, you know, and – and so she tried to figure out where Wilbur was, and I wouldn't say anything. And, and he started talking about, well, all you have to do is um, per, accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And I thought – and things weren't going wrong, by the way. Things were getting better at home. I you know, I was getting uh, – just falling in love with this little girl. And so my whole attitude about that was changing. Carol had been – from the day – Oh, that's another interesting side of the story. When I started treating her badly, when she was all alone, literally on her own, because we were out in California, she had no family out here. We had moved out here, and she was pregnant within a year and and had no friends. She's turned to the Lord, and, and she said for the first time she started praying, she realized the Lord had never left her. She had left the Lord. And so um, she literally had just come right back to the Lord, was just uh, totally convinced that she'd never been lost all this time. Was she she praying for you? She was praying for me, praying for our relationship, praying, you know, Lord, forgive me that I I thought you left me and I left you. And so now she hears me talking, and she's been praying uh, 
literally night and day for me. And uh, one day I'm driving with, uh, and I and Wilbur says, "Why, if you've never done this, why don't you stop and do this?" So I pulled off the side of the road, and I prayed that prayer. Uh, you know, he said, "Just pray and say, God, forgive me for the sins I've done. I believe that you, Jesus, are the Lord and Savior of my life. I uh, want to repent of that, turn my life over to you, and trust you." For my salvation, and I did that. But mind you, I'm a my you know I'm an engineer first of all. In Illinois, they had a, a, an expression. They said, "Sharp as razors, but twice as narrow." <laughs> so I had you know I I always followed the rules. Uh, my wife says I'm the ultimate flatliner. No emotions. You I, I, you know my wife is very emotional, up and down, up and down. And so when she'd say to me, "Well, aren't you real happy?" And I say, "Yeah, I'm happy." And then when something real bad happened, aren't you sad? I say, "Yeah, I'm sad." So <laughs> it's all the same. So it's all the same. <laughs> Nothing changes with me. And uh, she says I'm very boring, and uh, probably so. <laughs> and so um, I didn't know what to expect. And so I I prayed the prayer, and and I did. Uh, start reading the a Bible. I didn't tell her. I was a little embarrassed to because I'd been bad mouthing Christianity for so long, making fun of her and making fun of that. I was a little embarrassed to do so. But I I started talking about Wilbur and, and anyway, Doctor Nelson announced he was going to be at the first congregational church in downtown Los Angeles, speaking as a guest speaker. She by the time this time had found him, was listening to him. She said, "Doug, let's go," and so we went. And then Dr. Wilbur Nelson was kind of like me, very just the facts, you mm-hmm. know. And um, so he spoke, and and I went uh, out, and she said, please, let's stop and talk to him. So we got waited for everybody to leave. I walked up to uh, Dr. Nelson and started talking to him. I, I, first, I told him I was trying I was trying to be an atheist, but I couldn't. But I didn't believe in uh, Jesus Christ. And I said, but I did pray that prayer. And now he's probably at 60 years old at the time, and he's very, you know, very proper. And and I see tears running down his face, and my wife starts bawling like a baby. And I immediately thought I'd done something wrong. And um, and so uh, I told him then, I said, you know, I just have a hard time believing it. Some of it sounds like mythology, you know, virgin birth and all this. And and he uh, he said to me, he said, well, I'll meet with you and I'll give you, I'll start with one book after another and we'll see if we can't change your thinking there. He was a little surprised how fast I would read a book and then we'd meet and talk. And, um, and so literally over a matter of about a year's period, the transformation took place. First, I was listening to the program. Then I prayed the prayer. Then I, uh, typical engineer that I was, I needed all sorts of documentation and verification. and, and um, So you did your research. Did the research. And pretty much as, as that time went along, I became very grounded. And so then when I became this Christian, I said, okay, I want to do it right. And, and so uh, literally from that point forward... Um, There's no looking back? There's been no looking back. No wow. wavering. Wow. Uh, no doubt, uh, no doubting, and um, and so uh, it was just that trans- transition. You know, when you hear a testimony like the one we've heard today from Doug McAllister, how can you not just simply give thanks to God for how he works through the Holy Spirit to draw men and women to himself? Today, Doug serves Christ not only as a businessman, but also as the executive pastor of a growing church in Anaheim Hills, California, Kindred Community Church, pastored by Philip DeCourcy. 
And if you'd like to hear this program again or give the link to someone else and suggest they listen, please visit our webpage, firstpersoninterview.com. You'll find today's conversation and others in the program archive. That's firstpersoninterview.com. This program is produced with the support of the Far East Broadcasting Company, and you can learn more about this ministry, proclaiming the gospel through radio in many countries and languages by following the links at firstpersoninterview.com. Next week, our guest will be Bruce Johnson of the mission group SIM, who's been on the front lines of the Ebola scare in Africa. Now, with thanks to my friend and producer Joe Carlson, I'm Wayne Shepard, inviting you back next week for First Person. First Person.